Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. When we truly confess our sins as sin, taking responsibility for them and repenting of them, of course, we understand that repentance means to forsake, to turn away from them, to give them up, not in our own strength, but crying out to God for the grace to do so, having the faith that he has made this grace available to us, then God is faithful and just to forgive us. And in doing so, our wrongs toward him are forgotten. According to scripture, they are cast as far as the east is from the west into a sea of forgetfulness and we are found blameless in his sight and before all of the courts of heaven. Therefore, on our part, confession with blame is not accepted in God's kingdom or else Adam would have been forgiven. You see, when God walked into the garden and confronted him, Adam confessed that he had sinned and eaten of that which God had told him not to. But then he blamed everyone else for why he had to. He listened and acted on what was spoken to him by the influence of that evil spirit, that serpent. And in the moment, he became the accuser of the brethren. When from the beginning, he was created for intercession, to protect and to defend them, to pray and to plead for them. But instead, he did nothing but point out their guiltiness. And at this point, God had to judge all of them when God's heart is set on both mercy and forgiveness. Fast forward to Jesus and we see that he shows us a better way, the right way. Where Adam failed, Christ prevailed. Where Adam blamed his bride for his sin, Christ died in intercession for his Adam failed and all failed with him. Christ prevailed and redeemed us from our sinfulness and he did it with forgiveness. This is why he was so adamant to teach us that we must first forgive in order to be forgiven. We have no excuse for this. He did it for us and we must do it for them. We must walk in the footsteps of Jesus in order to follow him into the kingdom. He walked the straight and narrow. He showed us the way. He demonstrated it with his life. And then he bid us, come and follow me. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15, we read, Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall among them that fall. And in the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your soul. But they said, no, we will not walk therein. And in this we see the hardness of pride and rebellion in those who are rejecting God's deliverance because that they refuse to humble themselves to him and walk in the paths of righteousness that he demonstrates for us to step in his footsteps and walk in forgiveness and repentance. But in Psalms chapter 139, verse 23, 
we read a different account of a man who came humbly. When David prayed, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me, test me, search me, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus became our example and overcame our excuses. You see, all men sin, but when we come to him with confession, admitting that we have sinned and done wrong in his sight, but yet then we come with blame and accusation against the men who influenced or drove or provoked us to walk therein. We are not coming humbly before him. What we're doing is creating justification for what we did. What the enemy is speaking into our ear and our heart is coming into agreement with is that somebody else needs to be saved and changed. Someone else caused me this pain and made me this way. My friend, the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He causes destruction by the hands of men, but we are not accountable for them. God will deal with them both in this life and at the judgment, but you... You will be held accountable for how you dealt with it. Because, my friend, I assure you of this, no man can pluck you out of God's hand, but you can choose to walk away from it, to return to the vomit that you once hated, to become the one who is now to blame for leading others astray, rather than being the one who shows them the right way. Don't justify sin by blaming the wicked for being wicked. Sinners will sin for there is no truth or light yet in them. But we do have a choice in how we respond to it. We can draw closer to the defender of the defenseless who himself was abused, despised, and rejected and choose to pray as he did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Or we can choose to become offended, defensive, unforgiving, sinful, selfish, hurtful, and wicked like them and end up sharing in their judgment in the end. My friend, don't let the devil win. Recognize his tactic. Every besetting sin is rooted in something that once happened and how you reacted to it. Don't hold on to it by blaming the tools of the enemy for the wounds that they caused you when Jesus bore our suffering to become our healing, our balm of Gilead. Identify the root and heal the infection that is poisoning your soul and blocking salvation by forgiving them. Acknowledge your wrong responses as sin. Ask God to remove all of it. And where the devil meant to use you to continue wounding others unto more entrapment, God will instead use you to minister healing and bring freedom from the snares, wounds, plots, plans, and bondages of this cruel enemy. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 22 says, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician here? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? I think many times people grow frustrated because they don't understand why they can't seem to break free from bondages, addictions, influences, and torments of the enemy, wrong attitudes, 
and they see others walking in victory and say, it just doesn't work for me. No, is there not a bomb of Gilead? Is there not a great physician? Of course, God has made all of the resources of heaven available to bring us freedom, salvation, healing, and deliverance. Why then is not the daughter of my people recovered? My friend, more often than not, it is because you are harboring unforgiveness and therefore justifying the sins that you have committed, your wrong reactions to the attacks of the enemy. Get this in your spirit because God wants to bring you victory. He's showing you a tactic. You see, Jesus is our bomb of Gilead. A bomb is a healing agent and Gilead was a place of rule. What you allow God to heal you of is the place that he will use you to rule over the plots and plans of the enemy from. You will have authority to minister healing and deliverance from the same woundedness in others. Where the enemy wounded you and bound you up, God will heal you and set you free and give you rule and authority over the enemy that once tormented you. So that now being placed under your feet, you can torment him and free others from his prison of sin, pain, damnation, and unforgiveness where there was only a death sentence unto forgiveness, deliverance, salvation, liberty, freedom, and a blessed life with Jesus in eternity. My friend, I understand that it was not your choice to be wounded, but your response to it is choose forgiveness and become a minister of deliverance. Matthew 16 verse 14 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men your trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Yours, Matthew 7 verse 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go therein, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus showed us that narrow way, and it is paved with faith, humility, repentance, and forgiveness, which are the bricks of holiness. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 8 says, And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, and fools shall not enter therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereupon. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Because John chapter 8 verse 36 says, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
In Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 says that we are given this liberty that we may be found blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And Micah chapter 7 verse 18 says, Who is a God like unto our God that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, but he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and he will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. God, I thank you today that you chose to forgive me. And I ask you today for the strength, for the grace in humility, for the ability to return this grace to my enemies. Because Jesus, you came that you might be the door that would allow me to get to God, that I might come boldly before that throne of grace for help in time of need, that I might become the door that God steps through to reach the men who don't know him. Lord, you showed me a taste of grace. Now fill me with your spirit that we might become a witness, not only in what we have seen and believe from you, but that others might see and believe you through us, through our testimonies of love, humility, overcoming power, and forgiveness. So Lord, today we relinquish all blame in the mighty name of Jesus. So God, we come before you today and I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, for their natural family, for their church family, for their friends and for their communities, that you would move by your spirit within them to bring conviction and help to release them from bitterness and offense. Oh Lord, teach them forgiveness. Give them wisdom to show them how much they truly need this and empower them to walk in it. To release every person from the prison of blame and condemnation that they have placed them in so that on the day of judgment they themselves might be found blameless. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And my friend, I pray in the same way that Paul did. I have prayed for you. Pray for me. Let us remember that we are a family and we need to hold each other up. And when one is weak, all are weak. The scripture says that God desires that there not be any schism or division among the brethren. So let us hold each other's arms up in these areas of weakness. Let us pray for each other and be strengthened. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.